What's up, guys? How are you guys doing? Wow, uh, that was pretty good. Uh, Surf City's like almost halfway um, done. It's pretty sad. Can everybody just be sad for a second? Oh, yeah, boo, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sad. I mean, I, I've enjoyed this week. It's been great um, hanging with you guys and speaking to you guys. It's been definitely really cool. Um, so on Sunday, I, I told you guys a story. And it, it involved Laurelville. And those of you from Wisconsin or Toledo, Ohio, you may not get the reference. So I just wanted to give you a visual as to what mud kind of looks like on somebody in, in this context. So yeah, that's it. Um, I actually sold that off the Pittsburgh Kids Foundation Instagram. So um, thanks, guys, for letting me use that. But that's what mud looks like when it's on you from the mud pit, just like any other mud content, I guess. Um, and so my story on Sunday, I told you, it didn't end with the naked Bubba uh, sequence. Um, it continued, actually, um, except Bubba, his story is over, thankfully, thank God. Um, praise him. Um, but instead, I um, continued in a different route uh, with that day. I um, am going back to Pavilion to get some hot dogs and, and some hot chocolate because it's cold out, it's about 40 degrees. And as I'm going to the Pavilion, I get my hot cocoa in my hand, I want to warm up my soul a little bit with some, some hot cocoa. Here, who loves hot chocolate? It's amazing. It's super good. Yeah, it's awesome. At Laurelville, it tastes like extra good because it's like cold out. You just played football. So my team has already been eliminated um, from the football tournament. I won it um, like years before with my Middle school and high school kids, I think. I can't remember how many kids. I, no, middle school kids. But this year, I just had sixth graders. So we got, like, demolished. And I don't know if you know this, but sixth graders are smaller than eighth graders. Uh, it's pretty obvious. And so they destroyed us. So I'm kind of sad at this point, And I'm eating my hot dog or whatever, and my hot chocolate. And one of my leaders comes up to me, uh, Stephanie. And she says to me, JJ, um, I think one of our kids is just out in the woods right now. He's just alone by himself. And I'm like, What? Like, are you sure it's one of my kids? Like, it definitely could be another leader. There's a lot of kids here. There's a lot of leaders here. You don't have to assume. She's like, no, JD, I'm, it's, I'm pretty sure it's one of our sixth grade guys. And I'm like, okay, fine. All right, cool. And he's covered in mud. I'm like, okay, cool. All right, whatever. So I leave the pavilion, and as I'm walking back to Shenandoah, that's where they power wash uh, the kids off. I'm walking back there, and I can kind of see, like, in the wooded area, there's just this little boy just standing there just shivering. And he, again, just like Bubba did, has mud from head to toe. And there's some sixth grade girls around him just trying to comfort him. And it's really nice of them because I wasn't doing it, obviously. I was not there. I was comforting myself. <laughs> Terrible leader. Um, and so I'm going to, to go interact with who this person is. Hopefully it's maybe not one of my kids. I don't have to deal with it, but I'm about to discover if it is or not. And as I'm getting closer, I'm remembering this. If you guys remember from my story on Sunday, I had a conversation with two kids. Bubba and Roman. And so as I'm getting closer, I am discovering this is Roman Marte's face hidden behind this mud mask. That's not Roman, but that's kind of what it looks like. His lips are blue. He is standing there shaking. And I look down and he also has no shoes. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? Like, is this mud pit just like a shoe-eating machine? Like, I don't understand. Like, Bubba lost one, and now Roman Marte is standing in the middle of the woods, shoeless. It's like we have a shoe thief on our hands. I don't know what's going on here. And so I'm asking him all these questions like, dude, how did you get out here? What's happening? And he's like, he can't even talk because he's just so cold. And I'm thinking like, bro, if you're cold, why don't you just go into a cabin and shower off? Like, that would make sense to me. 
but I am not a middle schooler, so I don't know. And so for him, maybe the woods was like a safe place. I, I'm not sure. So I'm conversing with him. I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, Gigi, I, I just thought the mud pit, I, I thought it would be a good idea. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, if you were properly dressed for it, it would have been a good idea. And he's like, yeah, and, and I lost my shoes. And I'm like, I see that you lost your shoes. So we go to, I think it's the shed. I think that's the name of it. Is the shed correct? Shen. Or they can shower off. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, that place. And so we're going to the shed for him to shower off. Obviously, I've been doing this for a little bit. I go to the shed so he can shower off there. And what you do there is you just rinse off all the mud that's on you so you don't get it in your cabin. And so we walk there. And we get there, and Roman's like showering. And um, eventually um, he tells me, he's like, hey, I don't have a towel. And I'm like, what do you mean, no towel? Like, he's like, yeah, I just don't have one. And I'm like, this is a camp. Like, you stay here overnight. Like, you're supposed to take showers. You're supposed to dry off with a towel. He's like, yeah, I don't have one. I'm like, okay, fine. So, all right, so I run through the woods, through the village, and I get to our cabin, run back to uh, that place, give him his towel. He doesn't have any shoes on. And I'm like, all right, dude. So <laughs> let me just give you a piggyback ride back to the cabin. So I'll put him on my back. He's still dirty. All right, he's just like wet and dirty now. All right, so it's not even like pretty anymore. And so he's walking back to the cabin. We get back to the cabin. All the guys are like gone now thankfully, and Bubba's like fully clothed, praise God, and we, we go to the cabin, and Roman is efficiently and effectively able to take care of himself, like just want to applaud him for that. Um, he's really, really good at that, so he did all of his stuff. He, he fixed himself up, cleaned himself up, and I'm really proud of him for that, but what I was kind of confused by was whenever like you kind of go into this tobacco, and you're covered in mud, and you said you weren't going to do that, but you do it anyway, and then you end up in the woods by yourself, and you just stand there, like that's what I'm confused by, like, why would you do that? And I didn't ask him this question, but I did look at Roman and his state, and he was just completely helpless at this moment. And thankfully, some of the girl leaders saw him while I was hanging out in the pavilion, and they came to me and said, hey, Roman needs your help. And just like I talked about yesterday in terms of our sin, this is what our sin will do to us is that it often isolates us, puts us away from what's safe, makes us dirty, right? And in Roman's case, he's super cold. And eventually, if any of you guys have been out in the cold, especially we're all in the Northeast here, um, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, we all know what it's like snow is like. Michigan, that's no, no wonder to us. And the longer you get out there, you can get frostbite. And sometimes if we sit out in the cold and stay in our sin for so long, we can get a thing like spiritual frostbite where we're completely unaware anymore of the fact that we're sinful. And thankfully in Romans' case, he was able in some way to acknowledge that he needed help. Now, if any of us here acknowledge that we need help, So when I was growing up, I've told you guys my story in a little bit about how I grew up in a good home and my parents were really nice people and that's wonderful, but I didn't really know Jesus and I had to kind of learn about him myself. And so I had to form my own idea of who God was. And as I got older, I had these questions about myself and, and why I was the way I was. Eventually, that led to anxiety where I had trouble sleeping. Eventually, it led to depression or what I felt like was a form of depression for me. And I had nowhere to turn with those questions. And eventually, I reached a point 
where I was helpless, where I felt like I needed to reach out and do something. And so we're going to continue our story today about this son. And if you guys can remember in the story, the son asks his father for his share of inheritance. He takes the inheritance that he's not supposed to get yet, and he goes and spends it already. And so this is where our story picks up off. It's in the book of Luke. Um, and again, just to remind you, Jesus is the one who's telling this story. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Key phrase there, he began to be in need. He had lost everything he had and begins to realize, I need something. So you can go to the next one. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I, I had this realization doing middle school ministry for so long that in sixth grade, kids kind of go from like, through like this epiphany by the time they're in eighth grade. Uh, you may not know this now, but in sixth graders, like, they're not like, and again, if you're a sixth grader and you wear deodorant, like, I am very happy for you, and I am proud of you, as a matter of fact. But what I discover is that they really don't care too much about what people think. You're just kind of like, eh, like, it's cool. A guy, I'm speaking from a guy's perspective. I just like video games, I don't play sports, and like, just hang out with the bros. Like, that's cool. Snapchat, like, Fortnite, when it was cool, it's still kind of cool a little bit, I think. Um, and that's, like, kind of all you care about. And that was the case for a lot of my guys, too. Like, when I met them in sixth grade, they're like, that's all they are. You know, they'll be bake, butt naked on the end of a cabin. They don't care. You know, who cares? But something kind of happens in them as they get older. Eighth grade, they start buying nice shoes, wearing deodorant. They wear cologne. You're like, what the heck? They start talking to girls. Like, purpling becomes like a thing. I know. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. And the girls, it's a bit opposite. But I think, I mean, girls are, I think, more mature some, in some ways than guys can be. Can be. Not just saying that. Not biased, jeez. Um, but it's like this self-awareness that happens. You kind of realize what's wrong with you, so you begin to wear deodorant. You begin to take care of yourself. And in this case, he, he realizes something. Something's wrong here. I need help. So he goes and gets a job somewhere. And he realizes even when he goes and gets a job himself, it still doesn't satisfy him. And what he's doing here is he's still trying to fix the problem that he has created himself. It's like going out in the woods and just saying, this is fine, I'll just stand here. Maybe this will make me feel better. I don't know. You're not going out and seeking help. He's going to find help in the wrong places. So the story continues. When he came to his senses... You can show the whole verse now. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now the key verses here, when he came to his senses. He doesn't want to be spiritually numb. He feels something is wrong. So he has to act on it. And he wants to go back 
to where he started. And, and I just can't envision him, right? He's, he's dirty. He probably smells like pig farts. I don't know what pigs smell like. They probably don't smell that good. Feels shame. Feels guilt. He had just taken everything. You, you would think if, if your parents gave you some money, they would hope you would invest it or something. But no, he's, he spent all of it. So he walks back to where his father's home is. And maybe on that way, he's probably wondering all of this. Am I good enough? Will he accept me the way I am? Does he still love me? And these are questions about himself, just like the questions we may have about ourselves. And then he begins to think about what his father, you know, sometimes when we do something that's wrong, we kind of like create like this little dialogue in our heads because we're going to go apologize to somebody for something we did was wrong. And so he's doing that. He's already created this dialogue in his head as to what he's going to say to his dad because he thinks his dad is a certain way. And just like I did, and just like maybe many of you do, you think God is a certain way. And so as he's walking home, he's thinking, oh man, will I still be accepted? And maybe your question is, am I going to heaven or hell? Again, that's a question you have. Does God love people like me? So the story continues as he's walking home. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son is dirty. He smells terrible. His father hasn't seen him in a super long time, probably. I don't know how long it's been. And yet, on his way home, the father is sitting outside of his house or standing outside waiting for him to get there. And not only that, is that the son may have thought, this is a very wealthy dad I have. Why don't you send a messenger to pick me up? But no, the father himself runs out to meet his son where he is. And during this time, it would have been super silly for a man to run. I don't know why it was in that culture, but they thought it was silly for, for grown men to run places. And so this father does not care about what people think. He's mostly concerned about the love that he has for his kids. So he's waiting for him to come home, sees his son, runs up to him, hugs him, Remember, son is dirty, probably smells bad, doesn't care. That father probably wearing a beautiful robe. He's probably clean. Embraces him and kisses him. He's not concerned about how dirty his kid is. Doesn't matter to him. He just wants him back home. So the story continues. In verse 21, the son said to, the, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So I thought, I felt like 
that, that God would be, would be so disinterested or, or far from me. And I was just too messed up to be accepted by him. It's like, like, I don't feel like I have anything to offer to him, right? Like I, I don't know him super well. I didn't grow up. I don't know Bible verses. I didn't memorize those things. I didn't go to youth group. What do I have to give to God? Why would he be interested in accepting me? And so this is him saying that (laughs) I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I'm messed up. And yet this is the father's response to him. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And and in those moments when he is hugged by his father and he's trying to say, like, I screwed up, I'm sorry. And the father's like, hey, 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 hey. It's okay. I'm glad you're home. When he's saying that, I I can just probably feel the questions that the son has on his heart of, am I worth it? Am I good enough? Is is this okay? Am I okay the way I am? Are all answered. And it doesn't matter. And and I just like to believe that that the fact that he screwed up and he is this, this worthless sinner. And when the father embraces him and says, hey, I know you're home. I'm glad you're back. This is where you belong. That he is forgiven in that moment. All it takes is a couple moments. All it took for this son was a few moments to experience how powerful, how radical, and how wild his father's love was for him. And this story, it's so ironic because Jesus is the one who's telling the story. It's about It's about Jesus. And and Jesus comes into earth, lives a perfect life, right? Because like I said yesterday, none of us are perfect. And so somebody has to do that for us. And Jesus is the person that gets God's wrath outpoured onto him for us. We all deserve that wrath. And yet what Jesus does is he lives the perfect life. And then he gets the wrath poured out on him. And Jesus is crucified on a cross as a criminal. And I don't know if you know this, but it's crucifixion is not like the electric chair. It's not like lethal injection. It's extremely painful. And you die because you asphyxiate. You can't breathe anymore. What you have to do when you're holding on the cross is you have to lift yourself up. And eventually you lose strength to lift yourself up anymore. And you die because you can't breathe anymore. So Jesus is thrown into and accepts this terrible death on our behalf. And he meets us where we are. And it's not by coincidence that Jesus, his whole entire ministry is choosing to hang out with people who are dirty, people who are unclean. That's not a coincidence. He is saying, this is why I'm here. And then he does the best thing of all. He dies for them so that they 
can go to heaven. And again, you have nothing to offer in this except your heart. The son had nothing to give his father. And he still accepted him the way he was. And I've studied like other religions and because I'm not, I'm a huge nerd, but because of college stuff. And in that, I've, there is no other religion, Islam, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, all the isms, uh, none of those does God come down to earth, put on flesh, become a man, and then die in the place of his people. No other religion does that happen. Only our God has done that for us. And it's because he is crazy about having his kids back home. Because all of you were made for God and by God, and he wants you back home with him. And so today, there is an opportunity for that. And as we know, Jesus is the one who is bridging the gap between us and God. He's fixing that. So today we have the opportunity to do just that. I want to read something from um, Colossians, and I think this says a lot what I'm trying to say much better. It may be because it's just right out of the Bible. Uh, and so um, I'm just going to read this for you, so just listen up. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. Man, to know that I'm free of accusation, to know that I can come before God and, and regardless of how dirty I am, it's lost in the woods, making stupid decisions, doing things my own way. It doesn't matter. God wants to meet you where you are. I didn't even feel good enough when I came to God. I reached a point where I realized that I couldn't do this my own way anymore. And as I called out to God, he answered me. And I discovered that Jesus' love is real, man. And it changed me. And all those questions I had, it didn't matter. The sin I had done, I was forgiven for it. Because the love that God gives us, it truly is wild, it is crazy, and it is absolutely, as we sang about today, extravagant. And my prayer for us is that we can experience God's love tonight in a way that we have never experienced it before. Because there is a father who just wants his kids home. And that's all of you. So the band's back up here now, and um, as, as you've obviously noticed, they probably weren't super sneaky about that. What we're going to do next is they're going to play a song. And they're going to lead you through worship. And this song is about God's love for us and how he gives himself for us. He's the one who comes out to meet us. <clears throat> and I just want to say this too. If if you're at a place where you're like, I'm not, I'm not really sure about this, I, I want to let you know that's okay. That's okay. Because we're going to have 20 minutes of silence. After the song is over, we're all going to stand up in silence. We're going to leave this room. You're going to find a spot somewhere in the camp by yourself. 
and you're going to spend 20 minutes with God and you have options as to what you can do with this time. You can pray, you can stay where you are, or you can give. Praying means I'm going to pray for somebody else or somebody I know or my family because I have already personally accepted Jesus and I'm following him. Some of you here have already done that. That's awesome. That's great. Some of you can just stay where you are. I'm uncertain about this. I don't know if, if I want to follow or dedicate my life to Jesus yet, and that's okay. And the last one is give. And the last one is the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. If you choose to give your life to Jesus and say, I acknowledge that I need saved for my sin. In that way, God brings you back home. <laughs> so let me pray, and then the band's going to lead you guys. So, God, thank you so much um, just for all of these students, Father. I pray, Lord, for your spirit already to be moving in this place, that you are already touching our hearts with your love, Lord, knowing that forgiveness and freedom um, reign in this place, that, Father, you are orchestrating um, good things in the lives of these students and your salvation and is the greatest of all those things. Um, so we just thank you, Lord, so much just for this opportunity. We thank you for 20 minutes. I pray against distractions in Jesus' name. I pray for, for your spirit just to be in their hearts, moving as they're on the campgrounds. So we pray this all in your son's name. Amen.